Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. So today, let's talk about something super positive, because the weather's hot, I'm in a good mood. So, let's talk about our FOSS wins, our smallest FOSS win, and our biggest FOSS win. So, who wants to go first? Gary, you can go first. What is your smallest FOSS win? So, my f- smallest FOSS win enables something, really, that's that's not particularly FOSS-friendly. So, I've <laughs> hinted at it before, but we've got a lot of the fruit variety of home automation stuff in our house. But one of the things that that ecosystem doesn't do particularly well is cameras. I mean, there are a few, but they're all crazy, crazy expensive, and I am cheap, quite frankly. So, I found a piece of software called Homebridge. And one of the plugins for Homebridge works with the really cheap TP-Link Tapo cameras that I've got. Effectively, you pull the stream into Homebridge from the camera. So it just pulls the RTSP stream and it outputs it in a way that you can just import into the Apple Home app, which means that my cheap 20 quid cameras uh, can work on the TV. I can't believe that your smallest FOSS win allows you to be totally non-free with Apple stuff. But... Uh... Yeah, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Has it got anything to do with Home Assistant? No, it's completely separate from Home Assistant. It's much simpler. It doesn't have any of the kind of integrations, automation stuff. It literally just allows you to bridge different devices into your HomeKit ecosystem. So there's plugins for a whole bunch of stuff, but I mainly use it just for these Tapo cameras. Fair enough. All right, Dalton, what's your smallest FOSS win? It's hard for me to pick because everything that I've done that's small has eventually built up to something really big. The smallest win is probably one of my earliest, when I needed to copy a computer to another computer for my first job. And what I ended up doing was I found this piece of software called Fog, which basically completely takes over a Debian or Ubuntu box. I suppose it would have done CentOS at the time as well. And gives you basically Norton Ghost, but also not Norton Ghost. It's free and open source. It's mostly PHP, but you've also got a TFTP server and just a bunch of stuff in there to basically let you pixie boot computers into an interface to capture an image and then to deploy that image to other computers. This turned into a year-long project with this software to completely redo how we manage computers at that school. (laughs) Because it not only did just imaging like that, I also figured out how to do Windows imaging correctly. Oh no, more proprietary enablement. (laughs) And it could also do things like manage printers and software. So all I would have to do, this, it was my favorite thing. We set up all the computers to go to Pixie Boot first instead of booting from the hard drive first. So I would just sit in the office select a lab and say, deploy image. All of the computers would turn on and they would all do their post beeps all in unison. And then they would install Windows and all of the software and printers they needed. And that, I I thought that was great. And then they'd all have that Cortana thing in unison. No, luckily I got out of there before Windows 10 came out. Ah, okay. Hi, I'm Cortana. (laughs) (laughs) But there was one time where Windows 8 had a, you know, getting ready and then let's begin, where I walked into a lab literally as they all faded out and went back to let's start. (laughs) That felt pretty good, too. (laughs) Nice. What about you, Chris? What's your smallest FOSS win? 
So I think it's probably the kind of tiny butterfly being its wings that led me down a more professional career. We go way back. I was looking for a way to watch British television abroad. And for ages, you could just get a free VPN or a commercial VPN and it would work. And then various content providers would block IP ranges because they'd be like, that's a data center, that's DigitalOcean, that's, you know, take your pick, that's that uh, VPN provider. So I was scouring some forums and then found there was a three euro a year VPS. It's not really a VPS. It's an open VZ container with 128 megabytes of RAM, uh, three gigabytes of disk space, and I think like a fair share of a single core. Ooh, get you. Yeah, exactly. And an uplink, a data center uplink, you know, it's hosted in a data center on OpenVZ, which is based on CentOS. It's a very, very creaky old software now. But the good thing about it is it's three years a year and, you know, you can't do much with it. And if it goes wrong, much like a VM, you can flatten it out and start again. But I think... What pleases me about that is that I built my skill set of everything that I know now from there when it comes to, you know, server administration and the skills that I've built up. And it's still running and it's still working for its original intended purpose. I did have to double the RAM. So now it's five years a year. So it was a huge uh, budget increase. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's a tiny box and there's very little you can do on it. But I do think whilst you can spin up VMs locally, having something that actually fulfills a purpose and allow me to explore things like API. So there is an API you can access. So I've, I've written a private website, which pulls statistics from the VPS from the control panel. So you can see, cause there's a bandwidth limitation, I think of 500 gigabytes a month per calendar month. So you can just check in every now and then how much of that bandwidth you've used up because they'll just lock it off until the calendar comes around again. You know, it's a tiny thing, but after that I got a KVM and then I started to look at running stuff at home and eventually it's kind of led to a job, but it's, you know, to get that working, especially because these machines, you can't modify the kernel. So it runs the host kernel. And I think on this box, it's 3.10 or something, or it was. I think they've upgraded it to OpenVZ7. So you can't do things. It runs WireGuard, but you have to run the user space implementation. So I'm using BoringTun. Uh, I was using WireGuard Go because I think the Rust implementation in user space is just ever so slightly more performant. But again, all of this stuff is stuff I didn't know before I spun up this little three euro machine. I just read on a forum, you can do it with this, with not much guidance. And it's just kind of snowballed from there. So it's a tiny thing, but I do consider it to be a personal win. It's funny that my FOSS win is VNstat which is a way that you could solve the problem of monitoring how much bandwidth you were using. But it's not just VNstat, it's LS. It's EasyTag, the little bit of software that I use to put the images into the MP3s before I publish them. It's every little bit of software. And I know that this is a cop-out and it was my subject, so uh, <laughs> I should have picked one specific thing, but it's not. My biggest small win is every little small bit of FOSS no matter what problem you've got, there's something out there, whether it's a little bash script or a small program, 
or even some complicated, massive bit of software that's, you know, gigabytes worth of download. There's always some way to solve your little problem with FOSS. And Gary gave a perfect example of that. That's really interesting because even in my job today, I've been thinking of the evolution of my du command and what i like and this is why i used to like command line love in the ubuntu podcast is that you can iterate on these little skills you have as you meet people because it's like a sharing economy Mm. of these skills so i started working and i was like oh i need to find out how much disk space being used in this and you look and my colleagues like oh you know if you pass uh, hd1 it just does it to a depth of one and then another was like we'll pipe it to sort dash rh and then it does it by size and and i'm like whoa this is (laughs) This is incredible. And it's all, you know, chaining these tools together. And at first you have to go, what was that? What was that? And then it gets under your fingers. And I, I that resonates, Joe, definitely with me. I think that's one of the reasons I really enjoy, especially on the command line using Linux, is that you can chain these things together and there's always additional bits to learn and put to use that really feel like you're using the computer rather than the computer using you. My small false win is the Unix philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would guess a mixture of the Unix philosophy and the community. Because the Unix philosophy, we've got all of these tiny tools which do a good job, but we don't know about them unless it was for the community. Well, that leads on to my biggest false win, and it has to be my career. And, you know, Chris, you're going to say the same thing, presumably. Ah, shoot. (laughs) Well, not quite. But yeah, I I would agree with that. Yes, you know, it's led to the job I'm doing and enjoying now because that chain of iterations of commands suddenly becomes a skill set. And if you put your shoulder into it and, you know, be open and ask people for advice and take that on board and offer advice yourself, I think that's how it works. Like I said, the sharing economy yeah, definitely. It's and, and that's what I really like about it is that we don't really do lugs as much anymore, which feels like something that was before my time. But we have telegram groups. You know, if someone pops up and goes, how do I do this? You get three, four, five answers. And then maybe someone will go, oh, that's good. But if you thought about piping it to this, oh, wow. And all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely. And that's the foundation of getting a career, I think. I think that's the most effective way anyway. You you can try and learn it on your own from textbooks or not interacting with people, but I certainly think it's much better to become part of the world of it because that's part of the philosophy when it works properly. Yeah, and I became part of the Linux podcasting community not knowing all that much about Linux, but still caring about software freedom, caring about open source and the principles behind it, and I've learned a little bit, still not as much as you three, but... I've managed to turn that into a career, or at least a job for now. Let's see how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, where I just basically talk to my friends about Linux and open source for a living. And I, I just, I mean, sure, I could probably have done that in another tech community, but I don't think it would have been as easy. Like, I remember when I first started Linux Luddites all those years ago, and uh, we made a trailer for it, an advert, and sent it out to every Linux podcast, and almost all of them just played it. And suddenly, we went from, you know, no listeners at all, hardly, to thousands of people listening every week. And it really comes down to the community. I guess it's a bit of a cop-out again to say this, but the community is the biggest FOSS win, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without having turned up to 
Ogg camps and Foss talks and yeah, just talking to people over a beer and actually socializing with people, which doesn't usually come naturally to a lot of us. But <laughs> yeah, when you put yourself out there, you, you really yeah, get paid back dividends, I think. Joe, you said that you've learned a lot, but not as much as all of us. I think I disagree with that. It's just all of us have a different specialty. I was reminded of this today because I did a job interview that I completely bombed every time they asked a technical question because it's about something that wasn't a part of my skill set. And I said, well, this is where I'd look to find that. But you put me on the spot right now. I have no idea what, you know, the difference between Flexbox and some other type of box in CSS is. I think it's just that you have a different specialty, but you probably know a lot too. Well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you can edit a podcast real good. I certainly couldn't. Well, it, it comes down to that same thing, but it's not just about the code, right? It's about everything else around it and community management and documentation, translation, bug triage and filing reports and everything. There's so much more to it than just the code. So my biggest FOSS win isn't actually the career. It's just part of it. But I think for me, it has to be when I created my own photo booth for my sister's wedding. So when my sister was getting married, she hired a hall and, you know, you can get really have your pants pulled down when you get married because you can just throw money at people to do it all for you. So we looked into photo booths and it was about two grand to hire one. And it's basically just someone turning up with something they built themselves. So my brother-in-law was an electrical engineer and, uh, he was like, do you think between the two of us, we can do this with the Raspberry Pi? I think the Raspberry Pi 2 was the current Pi at the time. And we were like, yeah, of course, we went on Instructables and we found something. But what was great there, which kind of ties into what we were just saying, is it was definitely a collaborative effort because he was an electrical engineer. He didn't really know anything about system administration, the command line, Linux packaging. So between the two of us, I basically took the Python script and it would it hooked up to a digital SLR, a Raspberry Pi, an external hard drive, and a ser- series of buttons and LEDs. And when you press the button, it would take four photos, and then the script would use Image Magic to put them in a grid, print a caption on, but it would also save the original images, and then it would upload them to a photo gallery that people could look at after the event. And we did a series of late night coding sessions where we got it working with a photo printer and it would spit out your postcard basically with the four images. And I left it with my brother-in-law to make the box and the buttons. Not thinking much of it because I've not been to his job. I don't know what he does. And he comes back, not 3D printed or anything. He'd done hand cut acrylic and a hand cut acrylic box with the LEDs and the buttons all put in it and like a queuing system with the LEDs. And I think the overall outlay of pure components, we already had the camera, which is obviously expensive, but I think it was about 200 quid that we spent on everything. So it was like 10% of the cost of hiring one. And I ran it unattended for the whole of the wedding reception. People were pressing the buttons. They understood the lighting system, which was very simple. They knew from the flashing when each photo was going to come. They got their photo. It had the URL on the bottom. We were able to share it. And that was when I was like, wow, it's, you know, with a little bit of application and the right combination of teamwork, there's some really amazing stuff that you can do. And like, of course, everyone at the wedding 
for us and our community, that's not that impressive. Like it's a bit of a Python script and some soldering and some wires and a, a pie. But you forget for most people that were there, they were amazed that we built it rather than hired it. So I think that's probably my biggest personal FOSS win that we were able to achieve that. So unlike my smallest FOSS win, my biggest FOSS win enabled me to get rid of a load of proprietary stuff, which is is probably good. So my biggest FOSS win was discovering HAProxy, which seems a little bit niche, but bear with me. So I was working at a place where there was a lot of Microsoft IIS web servers. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. But to do the load balancing slightly worse than using IIS, we were using Microsoft Network Load Balancing. I'm sorryer. Yeah, it's, uh, it was it was not a fun uh, fun task. Uh, but Microsoft NLB, for anyone who doesn't know, is super chatty and just blasts the network with broadcast traffic all the time. But more importantly, isn't supported in most cloud providers. Say, I was tasked with coming up for a replacement for Microsoft NLB and looked at a whole bunch of proprietary solutions for load balancing. We looked at Kemp's, we looked at F5's, we looked at offloading it to our firewall at the time, which was a Sophos UTM. And none of these things worked particularly well, and they were all prohibitively expensive. As you can imagine from the fact that there were a load of IS servers, the place wasn't particularly FOSS friendly. But I put together a solution in our dev environment with HA proxy running on an Ubuntu 14.04 machine at the time and just sort of quietly slipped it in front of a few of the dev websites without people noticing. <laughs> uh, and for me, that was that was a huge success because it obviously meant that HA proxy was doing what we needed to do and then just yeah, dropped one day in a team meeting. Oh, by the way, all of the dev websites are load balanced and they have been for the last month and no one's noticed. So for me, that was a big FOSS win. Not because I managed to slip something in under the radar, but because that effectively enabled the rest of my career in terms of I then got to move the entire environment to cloud. I then got off to go to another job where I got to do lots more fun stuff with cloud. And now I work for a cloud provider doing interesting things and solving problems like that every day. So if it wasn't for HA proxy, I probably would not be at the position I am now. So yeah, biggest FOSS win, HA proxy. Very nice. Well, do let us know your smallest and biggest FOSS wins, dear listener. You can email us show at linuxafterdark.net. But with that, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Chris. I've been Gary. And I'm a winner. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>